We could only fit so much into our podcast version of the Palswood Storytelling Festival. Don't miss this wonderful remembrance of a childhood fascination with horses and Dale Evans from public librarian and professional storyteller Mary Gay Ducey. Thanks again to Jenny Cecil Moore for our recordings. How many of you, if I'd said um, trigger, who would you say? Look at this crowd. Here are my people. Young people, it was in a galaxy far, far away. And what would you say if I asked you what Dale Evans' horse was called? Whoa! How many? Very smart guys. And if I asked you for other cowboys or cowgirls, what would you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lone Ranger, yes. Hopalong Cassidy. A, a god. How about Tom Mix? There's a really, really old one. And if I were to ask you, hmm, what's the name of Roy Rogers and Dale Evans' dog? What? Look at this man. Bullet, that's right. Extra points for you. And not so hard, but maybe. If I asked you who followed Roy Rogers and Dale Evans in the rodeo, what would you say? Think hard. Huh? Almost, almost. How many of you um, sing a little bit? Not much. How many of you sing in the shower? More, uh -huh, see what it is? How many of you sing in the car, windows rolled right up? Mm -hmm. And how many of you sing, sang in front of your teenage children? Oh, crazy people everywhere, you know, really, crazy people everywhere. But how many of you ever had a bad experience with singing or somebody telling you, uh, you know, you could sing way over there? You? Anybody else? Be proud. Rejection is good. Yeah. So I'll tell you the sermon and then tell the story. You can sleep through the sermon, as always. Your birthright is singing. It's your birthright. As human beings, it's you, it belongs to you. And it's nobody's business how you sound. Well, except the teenagers, but other than that, nobody's business. And I don't know what they did to do this to us. You ask a five-year-old if you sing, what's the answer? Ten years old? Fifteen? You're going to the dark side now. Yeah. But you can do it, especially in company. Because if you're a bad singer, and there really is no such thing, you can sing more loudly than everyone else with great pride and confidence, and who's going to know the difference? So you tell me who the sons of the pioneers are. Road behind... Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, uh-huh, and they sang a special song. Who knows it? Ah, good. So we're going to practice. Don't leave the tent. <laughs> be brave, be brave. Sing lustily. You ready? Happy trails to you until we meet again. 
Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Pretty good. Pretty good. We'll do the verses another time. That's in another ten. When I was a little girl, I grew up on the Gulf Coast, mostly. Mostly in New Orleans, a town that never sleeps and never stops playing. You can imagine what it's like for a kid. But we also lived in Houston before that. And in Houston, there's a special, special kind of a combination of a, a stock show, big old guys, big animals, and sort of like a county fair, both things. And they are big animals, big. And so I'd never been to that. Now, I mean, I, my, you know, my folks were, they wouldn't have a lot of money. They have one child, another one coming in. There's no way they were going to do anything expensive as for the rest of us, right? However, I had been following, you might say, Dale Evans and Roy Rogers since almost before I could say those words. There weren't a lot of cowgirls, you know that women? No. Mostly they were guys. And so there was one woman, cow person. Yeah, I'm from Berkeley, so cow person. And she could do every single, thank you, every single thing that guys do, but faster and better. She could lasso, right? She could quarter horse as well. She could. She could sing. She could dance. And she put up with the Saint Roy her whole life. Her whole life. One adoring look after another. But also, she was sassy. So I was very, very in love with her. You know the way when you're a certain age, you fall in love with some public figure? For my seven-year-old granddaughter, it was, are you ready? Hold on. Fasten your seatbelts. Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pathetic, isn't it? Pathetic. <laughs> Me? A, a, a goddess. So I had truly fallen in love. There wasn't anything on the TV. No. It was only on the radio. Young people. That's when people used to get entertained by listening. A galaxy far, far. <laughs> and so I'd sit down, and I'd listen to every single program. And sometimes I kind of saw stuff about her in the newspaper. So I was hooked on horses from the time I could just about breathe. And I was quite sure I would be just like Dale Evans. I would be a masterful, masterful rider seven years old. Who knew? So I begged, pleaded, howled, and screamed, and tortured my poor parents to death, a child's job, until they finally, finally gave me riding lessons. Now, at this age, oh my gosh, what it must have cost them that they didn't have the money for. But I didn't know that. So I took lessons, uh, in a manner of speaking, I took them at the Almeida Riding uh, table, pardon me, riding academy and lunch table every Saturday at 11 o'clock. I was going to, you know, start my career as a goddess of horses. And I went the first time, I was so excited I could hardly breathe. I thought already that I would be riding a stallion, preferably a Palomino stallion, a god of the equests, equestrian movement. Not so much. When we went in, and I was ready, my dad was feeling his pockets, and 
I saw the ponies. There ain't no stallions in the Alameda riding stable. No, there are a number of ponies chained to a big round metal wheel. You know those ponies? Ponies latched on, circling endlessly and praying for an early death. And some of them were just about there. That was my first Palomino. They weren't foolish, these people. So they put me right on the wrong way. I said, no, no. They said, no, no, no. You come from the left. The left. I said, okay. You have to crawl over all that metal to get to the poor horse. It's the only time I've ever heard before or since a horse sigh. <laughs> sigh. Oh, Lord, here's another one. <laughs> but I felt you have to start somewhere. Of course, you have to start somewhere. And so every single week, I went. And every single week, my father held his hat in his hands, praying for an early death. But I got a little better, and finally they let me loose on a perfectly kind, well-trained, innocent, unsuspecting animal with my new skills. A broken down, sway-backed, tired, and old horse named Chief. There's a lot in the name. So I came out, first time, I sized him up. Looked a lot bigger than the ponies. I went right up, I mounted from the left, got on, put my little hands, seven years old, in into the reins, patted the pommel in front of those, and waited. I thought, must be a secret here. And so one of the teacher cowboys came in and slapped him right on the rear. Off we went. I said, that's the secret, spanking. How come I didn't know this? So I rode around and around and around, every day getting better and better and practiced lassoing with no lasso. You know, you, I mean, imagination is good. And then it was my eighth birthday. Now when you're little, sometimes you don't have a birthday party. You don't. You might have one neighbor kid. But in those days, my folks didn't have enough money for a big birthday party. So the birthday party was, how could I say, intimate. <laughs> it was intime. Mommy, daddy, and moi. That was it. Good bunch, I thought. Cake, ice cream, and only one present. Now when you're a little kid, you think, hmm, one, huh? One? One? And it was big box. I am of the opinion that presents come in two perfect sizes. One is a big box. Big. And the other is a tiny little box about this big. <laughs> know what I'm saying, girls? Yeah. Well, this is a big, big, big one. And so I sat down and my dad said, well, I think you should open this first. <laughs> I said, clever, huh? I said, okay. Okay. And you know how little guys are. I was so excited I could barely breathe. And I opened it up. By the time I opened it up, it was as big as I was. And inside, and this is the truth, inside was a perfect Dale Evans outfit. I never got a better present in my life. And I'm taking, I'm talking now. Now. I took it out. First, I took out the little boots, red bright red boots 
with a little bit, little bit of white and a little nice bit of, you know, tracery around them. I put those babies right on, stamped around a little. And then the skirt, because Dale didn't, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't up with that horse stuff with men. Wear the skirt, no pants, thank you. So I put on the little skirt, which had that fringe, you know, all around the bottom. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was also, I'm sure it was pure buckskin. I'm sure. That's what my daddy said. Pure. And then I put on the little blouse. White blouse, western style, about this big. And it had, I'm certain that they were real mother of pearl buttons. Don't you think? Well, of course. And then I put on that little vest, you know, little tiny vest, fringe. And it had those things up here where other stuff comes out of them all the time. Yeah, had that. And the pièce de résistance, a hat, just like day 11's, red, with feathers around to hold on to all the hat part. I don't know, it's going to fall apart. And best of all, it had a little string with a little bead that you could pull up tightly and with a flourish. So I could hardly speak. I was so excited. I ran away right then, got fully dressed up and ready. Oh, by the way, there were two other things. Hold on to your hats now. Two guns. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's tough. S stay with me. Don't hurt me now. They were plastic and also a bullet belt plastic bullets all the way around. And I turned mine backwards because that's how Alan Ladd did it. Remember? He told him to go boom like this. So I practiced endlessly the whole day long and went out and talked, yelled and screamed and shot and did stuff that kids don't do now. Until my dad said, well, it's time to go. I said, where are we going? Church? No. He said, oh, no, no. It's the next part of your birthday present. I said, two? He said, oh, I'm not kidding, sister. So I went right back in the house, and I said, where are we going? He said, surprise. Always a problematic word for children and parents. But I knew it would be wonderful. I mean, it was my birthday, and it was my daddy and my mommy. And we got right in the car, and I got to sit in the back and help direct. And it was a long drive, long drive, and it was almost serious nighttime, bedtime. And then we came up to an enormous building, enormous, round, completely round, and it looked like some kind of national monument, which in Texas it was. It was a big, big place for what is called in Houston the Fat Stock Show. Ain't no rodeo. The Fat Stock Show. And in order to get through it, it's kind of like the county fair. You go all the way through and admire all those 4-H animals. And you look at the pigs and the cows and you look at longhorns. It's a pretty good show right there. But I thought, well, that's good. But And then my dad said, oh, there's something. I forgot to tell you this. I said, what? He said, well, we've we got to go through these doors. There's another part. I said, what is it? He said, oh, I don't know. Just came with the ticket. You go first, he said. And there were big swinging doors. Okay, a little apprehensive, who knows? Whew. Those doors went open, and I was in a full-sized rodeo ring. Huge. And 
all the way around it, there were things going on, real cowboys, real ones. Now, there had been real cowboys at the Alameda Riding Stable. I knew them because they were kids, and they hated us. I was all dressed up. Hi, Daddy. They're like, uh-huh, all right. And they also had things like grass in their mouths somehow. I don't want to put grass. And the boots had worn heels like you're supposed to have. And they also had a kind of a hole in the jeans at the back because they spent a lot of time going. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And there were those guys. There was also quarter horsing. If you need a definition, there's a woman in the back at the end of the story who'll tell you. So a cowboy would come out and be able to cut, cut another, another horse from a, its own herd, hard and fast. And they weren't happy, but it was gone. It's like magic. It's my favorite part. There were rodeo, rodeo clowns, lots of them, all dressed up like clowns, and rodeo barrels, and all kinds of people jumping in and out and jumping in and out. And there were regular bull riders. Now, if you've ever seen anyone ride a bull, you will know that that is no, no stuff. That is scary and hard, and you can't stop watching. I hadn't even gotten through the door. I couldn't stop. And out came an enormous man on a much more enormous bull. And I watched him try and stay for about 15 seconds. And he got to 14, and the bull had other plans. And that man hit the dirt hard. I thought, oh, he's, he's, I said, Daddy, is he dead? He said, oh, no, no, he's all right. He's getting paid. <laughs> then we went in. Smart man, my father. Then we went in. And I said, oh, do we sit down? He said, oh, yeah, I've got the best seats in the house. Best seats in the house. I thought, that must be a lot of money. Oh, he said, you have no idea. And so we started climbing <laughs> up and up, up and up, higher and higher. There was an oxygen station midway, higher and higher, until at last we were in heaven. <laughs> last row. And what had been... Real people and real animals were like tiny gumdrops down at the bottom, hopping around. I, my dad said, you know, it's the best seat in the house, very expensive. You can see everything from here. I said, aren't they smart, my folks? My mother said, oh, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how smart he is. Mm -hmm. So we sat, and I waited a good long time, and first came the grand parade, which is everybody who's doing part of these shows in a great big giant ring who canter on horses all the way around this wonderful grand ring. Rodeo clowns, cowboys, quarter horses, everything. And the two stars who are at every rodeo, depending on who it is. Remember the gumdrops down there, so I wasn't quite sure. But I could see two cowboys coming around the ring and one of them pulling down her little bead and doffing her hat and it was Dale Evans. It really was. And Roy Rogers and Bullet and the sons of the pioneers and I could barely breathe. It's the oxygen probably up there. And so I watched every move she made. I was sure she could see me. I mean it's me. The person who loves you the most and I practiced my hat. You know. The rodeo went on. It was great fun. It was wonderful. But I was just waiting for one thing, as you can imagine. And then 
just about that time in the rodeo, a man got on what was the loudspeaker then. You remember the sound? Ladies and gentlemen, look at the center And Dale Evans and Roy Rogers rode right up. And I figured that was the end of the show right there. What else can you need? And the guy said, there's going to be a contest now, only for kids. You can come down here all the way down. And if you win the contest, you win a ride on buttermilk with Dale Evans. I went, <gasps> I was out of that seat like a shot from my little plastic gun. I was down those stairs faster than a human being can move. I levitated down there. My folks said, good luck. I looked up, I couldn't even see him, gumdrops. I kept going right all the way down, and I got down, and there were already kids there. I thought, well, you know, but it's me. So there were four boys. These are the bad old days. Four boys and one girl that was me. And they were a lot older than I was, except one of them maybe. And they were real, real cow kids, just like the ones that had heaped scorn among my tiny, tiny brain. But I was there. Had my little bead, drew it up tight, straightened myself, got ready. And there was a mule at the front of the line. I thought, well, now, this will be interesting. I have not ridden a mule. Oh, I can, of course. And in front of the mule, there was a barrel. I mean, it seemed like all you had to do was just jump. It was so close, but it was a little harder than that. But I could watch because there were four people in front of me, right? And I thought, well, what do we do? And the guy said, now all you have to do to win this contest is to get on that mule and then ride four steps. Just take four steps with the mule, and if you get to that barrel, you win. I thought, well, well anybody can do that. What's that? Well, I won't even have a chance to do it. So I thought, well, I'm here. I want to make my mommy and daddy proud if they can see down here. So I waited. I was prepared. And the first kid got on. He went over and he looked right, not too close, in the mule's face. Doing some kind of strong man action there. The mule looked uh, uninterested. So we walked right over pushed up his jeans like this, gave a look, mounted on the left, got right on, sat on the mule's back in the kind of attitude that says, just so you know, I'm the boss. And the mule stepped right up, took one step, rose right up in the air and threw him off. Blood. There was blood and, and things. going. He had to pull up his torn jeans. I thought, my God, this is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. Well, maybe the other two will do it. So the second kid went up. He did the same thing, although he looked a little trembly about it, what with the blood and all. And so he got up, and he was very careful. He thought, let's not excite this animal. You know, let's be frenzy-wensies. He got up, and the mule took half a step and just jerked to the left, and that kid was on the down in the dirt and the sand, spitting sand. 
I thought, well, what will happen next? The third kid never made it. He walked up to the mule and he started crying uncontrollably. <laughs> and they led him off a fallen warrior who'd never been in the battle. And then there was one more kid and me. So I waited and tightened up all my equipment. Waited and I waited and the kid didn't seem too anxious to go forward. But they urged him on. He's about my age. So he made very careful steps toward the mule and he did what everybody else had done. First he went over and he looked that mule in the face. And then he backed right off and he said, Mom, Mom, and he was gone. And then I thought, oh no, it's me. And the guy said, come on, you can do this little girl. You can do this little woman. I said, why certainly I can, because I knew I had training from the Almeda riding stable. <laughs> Clearly, those boys had not had the benefit of that little dead circle of ponies. <laughs> so I went right up, showed that mule a thing or two, waited, started to gracefully mount from the left. And of course, I had, I had of course, stirrups right there for me. And also I had, you know, a strong pair of boots. So I put my left foot in, went right up as fast as I could and as gracefully, and I didn't get there. I stopped midway because somebody put his hands underneath myself, picked me up, and turned me around backwards and put me facing the mule's um, tail. Now you know, Right there, you know something about the social order. Right there. So I said, I, I don't think this is, no, it's fine, it's fine, keep going. Go ahead, go ahead. I said, well, how, how am I, hold the tail. I said, what? Hold the tail. I said, well, you know what can happen with that? He said, keep it moving. So I held on to this tail, and mules don't smell wonderful. They really don't. And humiliated to the bone, I watched nothing but felt the mule start to move, and I thought, I'll never make it back home. <laughs> it's waiting for me here. All the things that happened to him, they always gonna happen to me, only I'm littler. So I waited, and there was a little twitching of the mule's um, back end. And then he stepped up, wiggled a little, and went straight to the finish line, just like that. I did not know that I had won. I only knew that I wasn't dead. <laughs> really? Well, that was the trick, I guess. I thought it never happened to anybody but me in, in the entire history of all kinds of horsey things, just for me. And I waited and I thought, I think I won. I think I won. And it wasn't a soul. I thought, well, they better be coming soon then. And then, there she was, riding all the way around the Grand Ring, holding her hat off to the crowds, a goddess. And she came abreast of me, and then Roy Rogers came up behind her, and they sat 
in their saddles, side by side, and lifted their hats to me. I thought, I'm, wow. So I, I waited. I thought, I will receive instructions from the goddess. And I did. She said, come on up here. I said, up on buttermilk? She said, well, sure. Come on. We're going to go for a ride. I said, we are? She said, oh, yeah. So I got off carefully, the mule, walked over, mounted from the left, of course, and then she lifted me the rest of the way in front of her on the saddle. And she put my little hands on the reins, which were studded with silver. And then she took my hand and she pointed out to the pommel where you could hold on in case I needed it. I did not. It's an experienced equestrian. And then, with a bare sliver of a command, off we went all the way around that giant ring slowly and gracefully nodding to people and then she'd pull that little bead and doff her hat and I would do that too. <laughs> well yeah, with the goddess, I mean of course. So we got all the way half round and then there was a sound of some other people coming. It was the Sons of the Pioneers. And I bet you know what song they were singing. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling on till then. Happy trails to you till we meet again. I'll see you later, Buckaroos. Thank you. <laughs>